Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hello. All right, good. You there? Yeah, I got on. I think I'm hitting the numbers. All right, you there? Yeah, I'm there. I'm there. How you doing? All right, good. It's being recorded now, so let's. Uh, I'll have to edit this part out later. Okay. Because what it does, it puts it into an MP3 automatically that I download. So it's actually okay. pretty cool the way it works out. Did you well, we'll have to look at the? Yeah, I did. We'll chat. We'll chat after the uh, after the talk. Yeah, I've got uh, I've got it for an hour reserved on the recording, and then um, everybody's going to be home about 6.15, so i got about 45 minutes. Uh, well, my career is not that extensive that it'll take that much time. <laughs> uh, you never know. Okay. Um, well, uh, let's. Um, what I'm going to do is uh, I'll, like, turn on. I'll let you know when I'm going to turn on, like, Ashland Dave mode, but um, I'm going to start the interview because I'm going to edit out all this pre-stuff. But, um um, so you looked at the question, so I'm going to kind of go through that. Some stuff might be answered, and then I've highlighted some stuff in your race report that I want to kind of hit on and get you to talk about. Okay. Um, the whole point is for you to do most of the talking, so feel free to kind of go off on some tangents on stuff that comes to mind. Um, keep in mind that, uh, you know, the people that listen to the podcast, they're not really interested in our personal friendship. They're more interested in running <laughs> ulcers and marriage. Right, yeah. <laughs> okay. So, uh, okay, I'll just do a little countdown here. You ready? Uh-huh. All right, three, two, one. All right, this is Ashley and Dave, and we are happy to have Lummox on the line for an interview on the Running in the Center of the Universe podcast. And uh, Lummox is actually an old friend of mine from college, and uh, his, uh, his real name is Jim, but uh, he got a nickname in college of uh, Lummox, and that's spelled L-U-M-M-O-X. And there's been a lot of debate over the years exactly what that means, uh, but maybe uh, Jim can get into that. Uh, but Jim, uh, love to have you along. The first time uh, you've uh, been interviewed on the podcast, maybe the first time you've been interviewed about your running in general. And uh, I'd like to thank you for taking the time to be interviewed. How you doing this evening? All right, long time listener, first time interviewer. Yeah, well done. So <laughs> um, you kind of got uh, into running a little bit later in life, and. Uh, why don't you? Recently, you finished uh, an ultra, and that's really the reason for the interview. It was a pretty good, uh, pretty good finish on your part. Uh, you did the Hat 50K up in Maryland, and we'll get to that uh, a little bit later in the interview. But why don't you share with the listeners a little bit uh, how long you've been running, uh, how you got into doing the long distance stuff? Okay, uh, I started just after I turned 40. I was not feeling real well, and really, the reason I got into running was was actually you, Dave. Uh, was watching you climb up the ranks as far as distance goes. And I uh, remember when you came up to Annapolis to do a 10-miler with uh, another mutual friend of ours, and it was something that I, I never swore, never said I would do, run 10 miles at one time. That's that was just the Annapolis 10-miler? Right, right, and that was just yeah, crazy. That. that was very early in, in your running career, and 
and up to when I was 40 years old, I would only run if something was chasing me. And uh, I saw you starting to enjoy it, and I had another friend who's a, a mega ultra runner, and he's done several long-distance races, and uh, he kind of tutored me here and there, and I can remember running my first mile, being as winded as I was running 30 now, and going up to his house, and he kind of coached me along to longer distances, and uh, I saw what you were achieving through these longer distance runs and decided to try a marathon and you, you ran my first marathon with me that was the baltimore and yeah, what was, year was that uh, i think that was 2000 was that 2006 no or, uh, no, or the, no, the, no i'm sorry when you and i ran together uh, yeah yeah that would no that would have been uh 2009 or 10 i think I can't remember. Uh, yeah, I can't remember. It, was, it seems like so long ago, but I've only been running for five or six years, really. So it uh, couldn't have been that long ago. Uh, it had been, been, a, been probably 2011. Yeah, yeah, probably 2011. That was a, a pretty strong finish. I felt pretty good after that, but I was sore, and it was one of those races where you felt your knees for days. But And then more recently, I got into trail running and uh, just completed my second uh, 50k. I did the Rosaryville 50k last year uh, in July, and I've got a lot of plans to just keep running now, and I really enjoy it. All right, we'll we'll get to the Rosaryville uh, 50k here in a little bit, and then of course uh, we'll talk about the hat, which was your second attempt at that. Um, so you've done uh, in reference to marathons, you've done one. Uh, traditional distance marathon or did you do a second one somewhere along the way i did two traditional marathons the second one was a trail marathon called the big elk up in elkton and that was a pretty non-technical uh probably medium technical trail race and that was a good prep for i did that in advance of the rosaryville uh 50k last july and so two of i forgot about that one yeah, yeah, that was that was a good race, and for anybody in the Maryland area, I highly recommend it. It's not real well advertised, and I kind of stumbled across it, but it, that was a that was a good race, a very well run race, and a very nice trail. Well, a lot, I have to say, a lot of people that listen to the podcast are uh, are marathon runners, and some are just are half marathon runners. I, I don't want to use the word just half marathon runners because that's a beast in itself, depending on the conditions. Um, but you kind of made the jump uh, rather quickly. Uh, traditionally, people who get into ultras kind of do uh, numerous marathons, uh, and, and for whatever reason, they move on to the longer distance for for various reasons. And then everybody's got their own reason. Uh, you just did two, and uh, so what made you uh, decide to make the jump from uh, a, reg- a traditional uh, distance marathon up to a an ultra at the 50k level, which is the, the, the you know the lower distance of an ultra. Uh, well, I, I'll go back in time a little bit, and I can remember your first 50K, and you had done, oh gosh, I can't remember how many marathons at the time, and I remember exactly where we were when we were talking about it, and I can recall how nervous you were about doing a <laughs> 50K, and I was trying to wrap my head around that considering how many marathons you did, and you, I remember you talking, well, it's you know about five more miles, and you know, that's that's significant <laughs> after you've done a marathon, <laughs> and now you've done 50 and 60 milers um, in various conditions. But uh, yeah, I, I think my jump was 
probably pretty rapid. Uh, I don't want to say I got impatient, but I just had different opportunities and uh, with my training level and really with the speed that I run, which is uh, painfully slow, but I figured I could do it. So um, with these 50Ks, I'm, I'm towards the middle to the end, closer to the end, but there's not many people running. And uh, so I, I thought that the jump wouldn't be that significant uh, as far as my pace goes. So that was really the reason why I wanted to get into the greater distances along with my end goal, that being a, uh, a 50 miler, maybe this November, which. Oh, very good. Well, we'll definitely talk about that. I'll, I'll ask you about that towards the end of the interview. Um, well, I know that I know that you don't have a group that you run with. I know you uh, you have uh, Jim, your friend Jim that lives up there, that's done Vermont 100, various other hundred milers. I mean, a completely accomplished uh, ultra runner. Um, so who do you who do you run with? Uh, you live up in the uh, Annapolis area of uh, Maryland. Who do you run with, uh, and where do you do your training? Uh, about 95% of my running really is is solo. I may do a weekend long run with one or two people on occasion. There are a lot of running groups that are somewhat unorganized up here. You don't have to be members or anything, but you can still reap the benefits of, of having a course with, uh, uh, excuse me, that's, that's my dog barking. Um, you can still reap the benefits of having a course with coolers planted and a little mini unmanned aid station. So I, I have done that <laughs> on occasion. But most of my running is really done with an iPod. I do a lot of books on tape, or audio books, I guess they're called now in the in the iWorld. Um, yeah, so um, the majority of my running is really done alone, especially the greater distance runs beyond when I, once I get on beyond 15 to 20 miles. Now you live near the uh, BNA uh, Trail up there, which is a uh, Rails to Trails project, the uh, Baltimore and Annapolis Trail. They have a marathon up there and. I know you live real close to that. Do you do your training on that, or do you do training through your uh, your neighborhood, or do you, how do you get out there and do those longer distances? I, I do maybe a little bit on the trail. I find the, the trail a little boring, so I branch out to roads and such. That I find that a little bit more stimulating. Uh, one of the uh, runs that I did prior to the hat run was uh, along a road called Defense Highway, which crosses a river, and I had the opportunity to see four bald eagles just hanging out, and I got to observe them for a while. That was something to see in the morning. So I, I try and do a little bit more road running as long as it's I find it safe and there's a nice shoulder or a nice median you can run on. So really I, I tend to avoid the trail just because it seems a little monotonous. Uh, if you have an end goal, it's for example, I want to. It's about right at 10 miles from my house to Annapolis. So if I want to get a, a solid 10 miles in, I can run to Annapolis, and I've done that before. But um, so I, I tend to stay off the B&A trail and stick to roads. Or does somebody pick you up at the end of 10 miles, or do you have to turn around and run home? Uh, usually, it's uh, I've left a car there for one reason or another, and I've no. got to go pick the car up. So <laughs> I no. just use... why would you have left a car in Annapolis, Jim? <laughs> well, various various reasons. I'm I'm a law-abiding citizen, and you know, if I eat too much uh, on occasion, I just too full to drive. So <laughs> uh, there's uh, there's full uh, beverages with. Uh... Uh, there's carbonated beverages. Yeah, the heavily uh, carbonated beverages on occasion, yes. 
Well, let's talk a little bit about the Rosary 50K. That was your first ultra. Uh, why did you pick that? And it's a two-part question. Why did you pick that race? And why did you go ahead and decide to to uh, get into the ultra world? I mean, that's a whole different world than regular marathons with all the uh, water stops every two miles and everybody cheering everybody on the course. I mean, ultras can be nobody there, hardly. Five people at the finish, they might clap for you. Um, what was your experience with the Rosaryville, and uh, why did you choose that one? Well, it, yeah, it, it is exactly that. It's not your normal Baltimore marathon or marathon-type atmosphere. It's very... Um, it's, it's a lot of self-gratification, really. You might have one or two people waiting for you at the end, uh, maybe friends or family, and that's about it. But there's no crowds. There's no fanfare. There's there's always somebody clapping for you, other runners or their families. <laughs> but, yeah, generally, the, I think when I finished Rosaryville, there were maybe 10 or 20 people, and they were all huddled in the pavilion. It was ungodly hot that day. And uh, the reason I chose Rosaryville was, Last year, I made an attempt at the hat run, and I got lost. I missed a uh, a trail marker and just went about three or four miles out of the way, and they have a 17-mile cutoff, so I didn't make the cutoff. And that really, really upset me that I wasn't able to finish that. So shortly after that, I signed up for Rosaryville in July, and um, in between, I guess about three or four weeks before Rosaryville is when I did the Big Elk Marathon, and I was wondering if that was a mistake at the time to run that distance before 50K, but uh, it turned out to work out okay, and as far as getting into ultra running, I I don't know if I consider myself an ultra runner yet, uh, mostly because of my speed, but because maybe it's because I hang around different types of ultra runners, and I think about you, and I... um, uh, to me, five more miles, uh, I mean, it is significant. I realize it's significant, and I don't want to make it sound like it's easy, but to me, being an ultra runner would be doing probably a 50-plus miler. But So I'm I'm kind of downgrading my classification as an ultra runner just having done a well, uh, couple let me, 50 yeah, let, me inter- let me interject something in there. I, I, I agree with you on that. It, it, I'm not saying you're not an ultra runner. You, you certainly are. You're definitely a marathoner, and you're an ultra marathoner. Uh, some people, there's some, you know, uh, some thought out there that the uh, a true ultramarathon is 50 miles. But uh, keep in mind, there's a guy named Gary Cantrell that runs a uh, race in Tennessee called the Strolling Gym 40, which is actually close to 42 miles or just over 41. And uh, he is a, he's the one that runs the Barkley Marathons, and he is all about ultra running. And right. He puts on a 40 mile, and as far as he's concerned, that's an ultramarathon. And uh, he marks on the course where there's 50k, and he calls you know 50 kilometers. So it's all it's it's all a matter of perspective. Um, but it sounds like you have that goal of running a 50, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But why did you choose to run a you know a, a marathon or even an ultra marathon in July, which even in Maryland I know it's hot <laughs> as all get out. Yeah, that was a, a particularly hot day too. I think the heat index was over 100. And um, Rosaryville is, as I said, it's a lot less technical than the Hat Run. Um, and I thought it would be, I heard from other runners, it's a pretty flat course. And it turned out to be pretty brutal just with the heat. But um, I'd always, I'd never really had a problem or an issue with the heat. So that didn't really scare me a lot. And I'm I'm a big sweater. But so I, it, I wasn't really intimidated by the heat too much. Uh, just had to keep myself hydrated. And I was determined 
to complete a 50K last year just because of what happened at the Hat Run. So the Rosaryville was the first one that I had come across that was very close. Uh, so that's the reason I chose that one. Uh, they do have one in November as well, and I probably should have done that one instead, but you know, the conditions were a lot more uh, forgiving than doing the one in July. But uh, anyway, I picked it and I finished it, and I think I it was a little over seven hours is what I finished in. So again, focusing on my uh, ambling pace, but I did finish and I, I felt great at the end, despite the lack of fanfare and everything that's associated with ultra running. It, it was it was very motivating and I, I considered it a real ch- achievement for me. So you. Your first marathon was Baltimore, which obviously the logistics were easy. I remember we got a ride that morning. Uh, your wife drove us home after we uh, partaked in the party. Uh, Maryland has great uh, after-race parties. Even the Annapolis 10-miler has uh, – there's always – even though that finishes in the morning, they have beer. The Baltimore Marathon had beer, and then I don't know about the elk, the elk run. But uh, at that point, I guess you had kind of figured out logistics. Uh, did you drive to Rosaryville on your own? Um, I know that's not close to your house. How did you? What were the logistics for that? How did you, yeah, I think uh, it's, I think it's about yourself? a forty forty five minute drive, and I drove myself. Um, unfortunately, they do not have a, a big after party there or any beer. So, and I made I meant to bring some of my own, but unfortunately, I forgot. And I did drive myself to and from there. Uh, my wife met me at the finish, though, so. She joined me uh, for a post-race dinner or post-race lunch at uh, Bojangles, and <laughs> <laughs> which uh, there's nothing Bojangles. better. Fr- yeah, fried chicken after an ultra is that's that's good stuff. <laughs> um, so I, yeah, I was able to drive myself with with little um, difficulty, and I did the same thing at the Hat Run this year. I drove up. That's a little further away. That's about an hour, a little over an hour away. And I did remember to to pack a few beers, but it was too cold to drink afterwards. It was just the conditions just really. No, I can't believe you just said that out loud. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It was, be a stand to yourself. I, All right, yeah. we'll take that up later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get back on point. Um, all right, so we've talked about uh, Rosaryville, and then uh, let's talk about your uh, DNF at the hat. But you said you got off course. And then what determined you to come back? Uh, what, Based on your, your DNF on that, getting off course and getting lost, what determined you, what made you determine to come back and finish that race? Um, well, just because it had, I felt like it had defeated me, and I just didn't want to let that trail defeat me. It's a very difficult trail, and uh, I don't know how much credence – people will put into this, but I've heard people that have run 50 milers say that it's as difficult as a 50 miler just because I think it's it's over 7,000 feet in elevation. And you're running with wet feet. There's a few stream crossings. And I hit one point at the race where it was a flat gravel road. And it being my first trail run uh, last year, uh, this was in March, I was running just about the whole race with my head down and so i was used to keeping my head down i hit this flat gravel road i felt great and this was at about the 15 mile point i just put my head down and just started chugging and just ran right past the trail marker 
um, <laughs> and until I realized what I did. And I was so upset. I swore I was never going to run again. So not only did I have to turn around, but one of the more difficult uh, parts of the course I had to face, which was these severe hill climbs, uh, to get back to the 17-mile mark and to be disqualified, basically. Uh, in addition to that, the conditions of the course were really rough. They, it had, there had been a fresh snowfall the night before, uh, which had turned the whole course into mud. And so you're slogging up these hills, you're sliding all over the place, you're already sore, and when your feet slide out from under you, it makes, you, makes it even worse and more frustrating, and you know you've got to go home after you get to the checkpoint. But um, So that's really the reason that I wanted to come back and do it again, because the, the, the course had beat me, and I didn't want to let that happen. Well, let's talk a little bit about the, uh, the recent success. Uh, I read your race report. It was outstanding. Um, I'd love to post that at the uh, AshlandDave.Podbean.com website. I might do that. Um, but I want to ask you a few things here. You, when you talk about the elevation of 72 uh, in the race report, 7,200 feet, that's an elevation gain uh, throughout the course because there's obviously no mountains that high in Maryland. But that that's how it's uh, it's measured. You go up, you're you're climbing that much. Of course, you're climbing. You didn't uh, put how much uh, elevation you you descended, which is probably about the same. Yeah, uh, which wears your feet yeah. down. That's where you yeah. get wore down. Yeah, yeah, that's just as bad as going, up, if not worse than going up, in my opinion, especially even on money on a muddy course. So you talk about in the report, your chief concern was running with wet feet. That's obviously something that I deal with, um, not so much in my my most recent ultra. I've kind of learned that maybe that's not such a bad thing with me. But uh, you, you were concerned about it. How did you deal with that? How did you? Uh, um, uh, you know, manage that. And I have to say on a side note, uh, I've known Jim for a long time and I have never seen his, his feet. He does not <laughs> allow his feet to be shown to anybody. So I know you have real feet, but uh, so tell us about how you managed uh, the wet feet. Well, th th to your point, I, I like to keep my feet covered <laughs> in case I need to run from something. I, I just want to make sure you, you know, it's your primary uh, defense of getting away from something that you don't want to be near. So I want to make sure they're covered and ready to go at any time. So uh, anyway, uh, what I did was I used two Toms, Blister Shield, and that seemed to work pretty good. I know a lot of people use heavy Vaseline or Vaseline-type ointments, and that seems to work as well. Uh, but the, the two Toms, I was worried about it getting wet, but it seemed to, to be okay, and I used some very uh, high-wicking socks. The course of the, the hat run is... Two seventeen mile or two uh, fourteen mile loops, uh, and a three another three or four miles at the beginning. And you call, you call that a beating in your race report? Yeah, the, the three mile beating. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but the in the the fourteen mile loops, you're crossing two different streams, and so you do have to cross them twice. And at the 17-mile mark, having made the cutoff with about a half hour to spare, I sat down and I changed my socks, uh, put some more blister shield on, and that was kind of futile because less than a mile into the second loop, you're crossing the stream again. And mm -hmm. it's anywhere from ankle to almost knee-deep in these streams. Okay. Um, how, yeah. uh, how long are they? I mean, how wide are they? Do you have to wait uh, through they, them or are they just... 
Oh yeah, you you have to wade through them. They're um they're not just little tiny streams. They're yeah, there's they're probably uh somewhere between 10 and 20 yards across. So you you are going to get wet. I think I think you sent me a video last year of uh, someone uh, going down in the water and they were Oh yeah, a lot of people go down because the rocks are slippery and they have somebody yeah, there telling people that that uh some people get a little too enthusiastic about the crossing and end up completely in the water and that's no yeah, fun that was, at all in March. That was one of those videos. A guy went all the way under, and it was just crazy. Yeah, yeah, and that and that's that's cold water. I, I apologize for my dog, but she's a, a little bit antsy here. No need. All right, so you got the wet feet. You managed. <laughs> yeah, that. and so the, my feet were good at the end of the 31 miles, and uh, my first thought was, okay, I got wet feet. Now how am I going to run another 20 miles? Because I'm thinking about the 50. So I was trying to imagine running another 19 miles, 19 or 20 miles in, in the same uh, oh, condition. You would, have, you would have an opportunity to, 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 to switch that up. Yeah, I would, I would, think, I would hope so. Different race, yeah. Yeah, yeah so that, that, that was my chief concern. And it, it turned out to be fine. I didn't get a single blister. or um, I got a little bit of blackness. But, uh, oh, like black toe? Yeah, yeah, just a little bit, but... Not much. I'm looking, I'm sitting there looking at mine. I got three black toes on my left foot, no <laughs> toenail on the big toe, and I've got a, still a big blood blister that's drying out on my right foot, and that's from uh, March 5th. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Well, I got that's, baby feet, man. All right. Yeah. So, all right. You said the uh, things got a little brutal. The weather turned south. What happened with the uh, the weather this year? Well, it started out beautiful uh, compared to last year. It was probably about 40 degrees, somewhere between 40 and probably about 40 to 45 degrees with a completely dry trail. And I was loving that uh, despite the hills. And I got so warm, I ditched my jacket and my knit cap at the 17-mile mark. And the temperature and the conditions just went down within the first hour. And I was pretty miserable. I was cold, and it was sleeting and snowing, and so I was wet, and I was only wearing a visor. So I, that was just no protection on my head from all the, the water dripping from the trees. And, of course, the car, the course started to get muddy again. So by the end of the race, I was cursing it again. But, <laughs> <laughs> but that was my own fault. I could have been comfortable if I left my hat and my my jacket on, but I didn't expect it, the temperature to go down so so rapidly. But that's the uh, that's the danger you face when you're uh, you're running a, a race and double the time that the elite guys are finishing. But oh, I don't worry about the elites, man. <laughs> I'm I'm such a middle of a packer, back of the packer, ordinary nobody. They we're the ones that support the race with our money. That's right. Yeah, yeah I agree with you 100. percent They're all showered and. Uh, you know, doing whatever they do, these little skinny dudes, whatever yeah. you do as a skinny dude um, <laughs> when you've run, uh, you know, that in four hours or whatever it took them. So, all right, so you got to 28-mile um, mark. Uh, you put in your race report that the emotions of another finish kicked in. Why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about that because that's – running an ultra marathon is, is – uh, or even a marathon, but we're talking about an ultra, is not – you know, this is not an ordinary uh, activity whatsoever. This is a, This is totally different than – what uh, people do. I mean, there are people that run a 10K and get a medal and think they've really achieved something, and they have for themselves. But we're talking about a wholly, totally different sport. 28-mile um, mark, you wrote the emotions of another finish kicked in. Take it from there. 
Yeah, and I, I can remember about the same on Rosaryville. Uh, there was a point at Rosaryville where I had to just take a pause, and I, I blame the heat for that, and that was probably at about the in between the 27 and 28-mile mark. And uh, I can remember that at one point I wasn't quite sure that I was going to be able to go on, but I just took a pause and I, I kicked in. And in both races, both the Rosaryville and the Hat Run, I completely ignored the 26-mile mark. It's It was like I, it never occurred. And really the... the uh, the milestone for me was that 28 mile mark where you only had uh, three or four miles left to go. And you really realize that you, you're going to do this and you're, and you're dealing with cutoffs at the hat. So that, that was another thing that wasn't present at Rosaryville where they didn't have any cutoffs there. So I had made all the cutoffs in the hat and it was ultra exciting for me at that point that I'd made all the cutoffs and I'm actually going to finish the race and get my hat so not only did not only am I going to finish the race, I actually made it within cutoffs, and so yeah, the the emotions kicked in at, at about 28 miles, and uh, I know three or four more miles after you've run 28 may seem like a lot, but after you've run 28, it's yeah, you you really know that you're going to finish. You got no, you don't have any pain, and uh, your feet are wet, but there there's no blisters, and you're like, oh, I, well, I can do this, and so it's really a, a, an emotional feeling that you're going to have you're going to have another race under your belt and you think about I was also thinking about my wife at the end who's I'm fortunate enough that my wife is still somewhat impressed with what I do uh, <laughs> finishing these races so she's <laughs> seeing her be impressed is a, another thing that's uh, that's really motivating well, when you say the emotions of another finish, you're out there on the trail. Are, are you by yourself? Are you talking to anybody else? I mean, what are you thinking? What are you feeling? Uh, by that time, I had fallen in with a group of about half a dozen people and who were all cursing the course <laughs> and the weather. And um, But I, I kind of – there's moment, moments of silence, whether you're running with a group or not, and I was – a little bit separated from them and I was wearing I, I do depend on music a lot and, and I'm a big fan of music and I find it very motivating and uh, I just kind of lose myself in music and think about the, the finish of the race and um, it, you know for me it, 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 I didn't think it would be in another emotional event but it was almost the same feeling I had at Rosaryville and um, that's cool yeah it's it, it's a, a strange feeling to describe but um, it's yeah, it, it it really is an emotional thing for me, and that that's something yeah. I never never thought I would feel. That's a new thing for you as an adult. I mean, after all these years, I've known right. you for so long. I've known you probably. Well, I think I've known you over half your life, right? Yeah, just yeah. about. Yeah, at this right. point, yeah. Mm-hmm. And would you have thought when we were back in college at, at our fraternity house drinking beers, we'd ever be doing ultra marathons? Then no, no. I mean, <laughs> you know, I was I was amazed at he how how you got into it and. I, I just that's one of the things that I think about often when I'm running, uh, whether I'm listening to Ashlyn Dave's podcast or not, is is your running and you know how it makes you feel and how how much joy it brings you. Um, yeah. Regardless of the pain that you're facing, it's just uh, um, somebody asked uh, our my friend Jim 
you know, why why do you do why do you guys do this? And you know, what <laughs> what what makes it worth it? And it's the finish. It's and there's something about mm-hmm. crossing that finish line and realizing what you've achieved and what you did. And, um, you know, there, there's your emotions again. Yeah, it's really cool, man. That's yeah, cool. It, it, yeah, and I, I'm really amazed and impressed with how much you've gotten into it. And and again, you're you're just as you said, middle of the pack, average nobody. But um, it, it does. Oh, nobody even knows yeah. that I'm there. They don't even yeah. know that I'm there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just a, a lot of self gratification. It is. It's a selfish sport, but uh, it's yeah. nice to share it with others. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's talk about some of the food you had. Uh, uh, I've never been at a race where there's French fries. So uh, go back to what the 17 mile mark where you gave yourself a single fry, and then you finished up the race with uh, hot dogs. And some hot fries. dogs and fries. Yeah. They, the Hat Run has some amazing food, and they they cater to both vegetarians and uh, uh, the carnivores. Uh, so I encourage anybody that that, <laughs> that is interested in a 50k. To You've never the, been accused uh, of being a vegetarian. No, you? no, I'm definitely not. I'm definitely a carnivore. So I, uh, I, I, I use running also as another outlet to compensate for some of my vices. So uh, that's an, another reason why I think I need to run. But uh, I think it's a it's a good race for everybody, and it, the food alone and the support that you get and the way the races run, I encourage people that are thinking about doing a 50K to really look at this. It is very difficult, uh, especially for a first 50K, uh, at least in my opinion, it's pretty difficult with the hill climbs and, and the crossings and stream crossings and such. But uh, the the food at the aid stations is incredible. And of course, at the end, you're, you've got fresh grilled hot dogs, and they've got a fryer right on site. So as cold as it was, the fries were still hot. They also have peanut butter and jelly and uh, pierogies. They had pierogies at the aid station. That's, not, uh, that's unbelievable. In addition to your normal things, Skittles and uh, things like that, but they also have jambalaya. And this is at the end, not at the uh, at the aid stations, but at the very end they have your choice of vegetarian or uh, sausage jambalaya, so, which is also excellent. You, so did you eat solid food during the course of the race, or do you? Uh, no, I I concentrated any, on any my thing? own. Yeah, I I con- for for this one I had heard, I had read several things about fueling for a 50k, and they say you should probably eat some solid food. Uh, a lot of what I've read and is that you can get by with just the goose. And uh, I think I did the Rosaryville, I just did goose. And a couple, because of the heat, I did do some shot blocks of the with the uh, extra salt. So that helped me from cramping up. I did see a lot of cr- people cramping up on the, uh, the Rosaryville. Have you cramped right. ever? No, I've never cramped. No, I, I, that, that's one thing I haven't experienced is, is cramping. And I do sweat a lot, so I, I try and... And maintain the salt load, uh, but so that's that's really all I did for the Rosaryville for the 50k. I did treat myself to one French fry and hold on one second. You got to get that dog squared away. I know. I did treat myself to one French fry and a little peanut butter and jelly, which was really tasty during the race. I, and that was that was something that was a real treat. Was 
they have these little peanut butter jelly squares. So I did do that at one point during the race, and that seemed to be okay. Another thing that I tried that I hadn't tried before was I had a couple uh, cups of Coke. Yep, and, mm-hmm. Yeah, and that really that really treated me pretty well. I was worried about what it would do, but it it really does settle this, or at least for me, it settled my stomach, and it did it definitely gives you a little boost, that's for sure. So I'm going to try and remember that in future races. Yeah, the sugar and the coke gets absorbed so quick uh, in the stomach, and uh, yeah, it's yeah. right into your bloodstream and really gives you a jolt. Of course, you can crash from it if you don't uh, get something else quick. But it's uh, no, that's a good thing. They always have that at ultras. You'll see that at all ultras you do that are supported, or Mountain Dew. Um, some people say it has to be flat. I, I, I doesn't doesn't matter to me. And I'll yeah. say another thing: uh, PB and J's. If those work for you. Um, they work for me, and they work for me big time in a 50 miler. So uh, let's let's move into that. You got a future goal, I know, of uh, running a 50. Uh, you and I have talked a lot outside of the uh, podcast. And, um, so what are your future goals? Uh, let's just talk about the immediate goal. Uh, we've talked a little bit about the fall. Uh, one of these days, since you're doing ultras now, we're obviously going to do a run together. We have to. Um, so what what are you looking at? You said you, had, you were looking at something for November. And uh, you know, what specifically are you looking at? Right, I, I'm aware of two races. Uh, there's one in Philadelphia, and there's one closer to here in Baltimore called the Stone Mill 50. And that's mm-hmm. in November. I think the registration opens up in August, the beginning of August, uh, which I was surprised. Right, Stone, at. Mill. Stone Mill 50. Did you send me, I think you sent me that link, that link but I'm going to write it down. Stone Mill 50. What's the one in Philly? Uh, the one in Phil- Philly is called the Dirty German. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, but that would require an overnight stay, probably. So, I'm I'm not sure that uh, I'm probably going to concentrate more on the Stone Mill. And that is your frugal. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's close. And Give me a break. Maybe maybe I can drive myself to and from if uh, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, you, you might need 50 mile. You might need to, you need a handler. Mm-hmm. Well, we can t- we'll talk about that all. You're you're getting there, man. So yeah, Stone Mill 50 is November. What's the uh, Dirty German? When is that? Um, I I know it's in the fall, but I'm not sure when. Uh, that might be. I think that's in October, actually. Okay. So, but I I don't know too much about that. I did do more research on the the Stone Mill 50. All right. So you you. Finished your ultra in more this month. What uh, I can't remember the actual day that you said it was. I think it was what three weeks ago. Uh, yeah, no, it was, it was March, the... it, Yeah, March um, March nineteenth. Okay, that was just so. So you, I guess, took a break. Uh, yeah, yeah, I took doing? a I took a week off from running, and um, last weekend I had to uh, drop a car off at the mechanics, and that's six miles away. So I dropped it off and ran back and that was my introduction well back done. into into running and that felt pretty good by the end of uh let's see the race was on a saturday sunday and monday were pretty rough by tuesday and wednesday i was i was fine and i don't know if i've said this already but i'm really amazed with the trail runs how good my joints feel afterwards or I, how good they don't feel. I, I don't feel any pain whatsoever in my in my joints, and I don't know if that's a result of the actual softer ground or the 
fact that you're forced to move a little slower, but your muscles hurt a lot worse, but the the joints after a trail run are great. So I was probably back to almost 100% by Thursday or Friday. Yeah, I I I can validate that because after I did the uh, Mississippi Trail 50, which was, you know, obviously 10 hours running plus, I was I was almost embarrassed that I took the week off from work thinking I needed everything, all those days to recover. It wasn't a road ultra. A road ultra is going to tear you up. A trail ultra is going to, you might, you might have some bruising from falling, which I'll ask you about in a second. But um, yeah, it's, it's just a different beast. I mean, the, the surface is different. You're not running on concrete or asphalt. And that's why people do trails. I've just, uh, I'm still in between, you know, I've, uh, I think I put out in the last podcast how I should, you know, brace trails more. Um, it's just, I don't know. I kind of like running from putting my head down and running from point A to point B and not worrying about it. But uh, did you go down at all in the mud? And how did you how did you manage that? No, uh, but I, I you definitely hit some stumps and you stumble, which is probably worse than falling because trying to catch <laughs> yourself just requires so much effort, and the the pain in your muscles that you experience trying to keep yourself upright. And I'm sure yeah. most runners have experienced that. It's just brutal. And to know that you gotta, you gotta keep it's going. It's better just to hit the deck. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it is. But yeah, I did. I I managed both. Um, actually, all three trail runs, all four trail runs, the Big Elk, the uh, the Hat, and twice in the uh, Rosaryville, uh, managed to get through them without falling. And I do run with a water bottle. That's kind of a security blanket of mine. So I don't yeah. have both hands entirely free. But I uh, I have to have my water bottle for whatever distance. I and mean, I know that people consider that extra weight, but like I said, I'm not going to break any records. I don't think it's going to slow me down. Yeah, some races require it, but, uh, yeah. all right. Well, uh, we talked, <clears throat> we talked about your future goals and, um, I'm sure we'll talk some more. Uh, you got any advice out there for any, uh, new ultra runners that uh, are thinking about maybe going from, uh, the marathon distance up to a 50 K. What do you think they should, uh, I don't know, some simple things they should probably think about. Couple, couple uh, well, uh, pieces of advice. I, I guess the, the only advice that I would give, and I guess this goes against the competitive spirit, but uh, is to slow down, and mm-hmm. you, you know, don't be afraid to walk up that hill, or um, to just slow down, and you'll be surprised how far you can go. And I, back to the elite guys, I do have to give them some credit. I mean, on these trail runs, regardless of the conditions, how they do it, I just don't know how they can. Uh, maintain their strides up and down these muddy hills and it it's it's pretty they're, amazing they're magic yeah they have magic yeah. and yeah we don't see them um you don't see them because they're done when you're done and then they have some magic wand and that's okay yeah and i, I yeah. did have a doctor tell me that you know, I, I had some knee trouble a couple years back and he told me straight up he said if you're looking for a doctor to Tell you, that tells you you should be running marathons. You need to see somebody else. And <laughs> so, um, I mean, obviously that didn't stop me. But uh, again, I I think yeah. I run. Blathering idiots. Just know your body uh, when you're running, and to avoid injury, I think is is paramount. And if you need to to shave a half hour off your your uh, your time to complete the race uninjured, I think that that's something that's a victory in and of itself i agree man well jim i i'm proud of you man i have really i've known you for a long time and i really never thought you'd 
be in this in this situation. Um, but after we ran Baltimore together, and uh, that was just a great experience for me, and I know it was for you. We uh, ran the whole race together, and uh, and he just kind of took it from there. And uh, I'm really really proud that you're doing this stuff, and I'm glad to have you in the ultra running community. I know. Um, look at that 50 miler. It's not that far away. Um, you can do a lot of walking. You check the cutoffs. You know, pick a race that you can make. And you get out there and you do it, and uh, you just do some you know extraordinary extraordinary stuff. And, uh, you know, what else can you say? I really appreciate you agreeing to come on the podcast, and uh, we'll talk a bit in a second. But uh, yeah, thanks, well, thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, and thank you, Dave. And you, you are definitely an inspiration, so I do have to give you a lot of credit, too. It's nice of you to say. It's not really not really necessary. But we'll, uh, we're, I'm coming up there in a, a few weeks to go out on your boat, and you'll see how much inspiration I have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll all see. Your beer. Yeah. <laughs> All right, okay. I'll talk to you in just a second. Okay. Thank you, Jim. Bye. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.